Welcome to the Impact Learning Visionaries podcast, where we celebrate the unsung heroes of the learning and development industry. As always, we'll be bringing some laughter and a bit of fun along the way, but more importantly, you'll get some incredible insights, key lessons, and unique perspectives on everything related and possibly unrelated to training and development. Let's get this show on the road. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Impact Learning Visionaries podcast. Today, I am very excited to have with me uh, Joe Dunlap. Joe is a learning and development expert with almost two decades worth of experience. And he has both a broad and deep knowledge base in continuous learning and performance improvement. And Joe is an expert in the area I would personally love to know more about, which is this idea of human performance technology. And he's integrated this into his approach to learning and development which combined with his ability to understand the involving mindsets, practices, and technological methods used by organizations, it's allowed Joe to implement learning and development practices which gear both individuals and organizations up for success. Joe, welcome to our podcast. All right, so the, uh, the, the $64 million question is, what is human performance technology? So human performance technology has been around longer than I've actually been in the field of itself. And it's a way of looking at it from a talent development perspective as all of the environmental impacts, both from the individual and of course the work ecosystem that impact that individual's performance in doing their role. So it's not just about their learning and their skills. It's also about the management style, the team that they're working on. What else is going on in that work environment that can have an impact on that individual's overall performance in their role? So it's kind of stepping back when you're presented with a performance gap or problem and looking at the whole picture to understand all the different variables that are involved in that um, to basically accommodate for those as you're actually trying to improve that individual's performance. So how does that, I mean, how would that look in a, in a kind of typical, I'm assuming it's not just learning and development we're talking about, you're talking about a much broader thing. So I mean, how, how does that play out in, in kind of organizations today? Is, is it a, a single person's role? Is it kind of getting consensus across a number of different key players in the organization to all kind of, of collaborate? Yeah, so it's a great question. And, and one of the things that I, I think a number of your audience will identify with is, and I can't tell you how many times this has happened to me, where I've developed training uh, around a particular performance gap. And then we delivered that training. We saw good results in terms of the participation in the class, their knowledge and understanding in their actual practice. And then they got back on the job and they got a different influence for, say, for instance, from their manager who was not necessarily keen or sold on what it was that we were actually training, had a different management practice or process in place. And so everything that you just did was almost for naught in that because the manager is telling them something different. And so that individual is caught between a rock and a hard place because they were just trained in the way that we thought was going to improve their performance, but their manager is kind of holding them back in this case, saying, no, I want things done this way. And of course, that's the person that they're reporting to so they're going to follow what it is their manager said. And then when you wind up doing your evaluation, whether that be you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days later, you're not seeing the kind of success that you thought might happen because they're not applying it the way that you asked them to as part of that training because their manager kind of 
impeded that process in and of itself. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me over my career where I've actually seen that play out. So how do you fix that problem? Well, in my case, and certainly as I've gotten older, and you can see I got a lot of gray hair, um, I don't have a problem addressing that with management is, you know, uh, as part of the process when I'm developing that performance solution is getting agreement from everybody. And so in the cases where it has happened, especially over the past 10 years, um, I've gone back and said, okay, we all agree to this process. And yet these individuals are now coming out to you and that's not what you're doing. Um, and certainly management has not liked to be called out when I do that. But, you know, again, it reemphasizes the point of, what did you hope to accomplish from the training if you weren't behind it in terms of actually helping them to now apply that in their work in and of itself? Um, and what I've kind of learned from that is a lot of them didn't think through how they needed that process to change and the impacts um, with regards to that individual being trained. It was, oh, let's train them and everything will improve without addressing the rest again of that entire environment that needed to take place. And so you kind of have to step back and look at it and say, okay, if we're going to um, train them to improve that performance gap, what else needs to happen in order to really make that successful? Okay, let's, let's zoom out and have a philosophical debate um, sure. about, I mean, what is your take at the moment you know, globally around you know, the, the whole area of learning and development and um, I guess even this um, you know, human performance technology approach or just performance in general? What, what are you kind of seeing in the industry at the moment? Where do you think the biggest challenges lie? Where are the opportunities? You know, it, it's interesting for me because I see three things kind of going on within our industry. You know, there's always the focus on learning and, and we see that constantly every day. I know I certainly do, you know, when I look at LinkedIn in terms of webinars and headlines and things like that. And then you have a course of people that I'm fortunate to be a part of. You know, think about Guy Wallace and Bob Mosher as an example, David James, who are saying, well, we got to start pivoting to performance. We really need to focus on where the end results and outcomes that the organization expects from that individual with regards to their role. And certainly that's now becoming even a little more important as we start talking about skills and capability. Well, of course, that kind of falls into that realm. But over the past year, I've been doing a non-scientific study. And I look at a couple of job descriptions almost on a daily basis just to kind of see what am I seeing from organizations. And one of the things that I'm starting to notice, and, and again, rough non-scientific, is that over 75% of the jobs that I've seen over the past year are starting to now listen, uh, li excuse me, list um, functions from what I would call talent development or talent management, or specifically talking about performance in that job description. And so those are sort of my key indicators when I think about these are what jobs these organizations are now posting. This is what they're looking for for the individuals who do our work. And so as we talk about skills and capabilities for our, the employees of an organization, that also applies to us, is that we may have to start growing our skills and capabilities and functions outside of learning to help the organization meet its overall goals. And you know, these are things that are play out like we talked about engagement and retention and things like that that are kind of bubbling up. Well, that's part of a talent development function and it's part of talent management. And we may now have to start getting involved with that. So it's moving beyond just the learning focus. And in, in terms of the, the, the roles of people who almost specialize in talent management and performance management, haven't necessarily focused in on the learning and development side, 
how does how does this fit into their world? Do they see this as a as a potential threat? There are some people that I talk to who are on that side of the equation who have started asking me, what can I do to start learning about learning and development? And I started giving some guidance around that. Um, but one of the things that I try to be very thoughtful about when I'm having these conversations is what you really got to do is ask your organization, what is your expectation of me in this role? Um, and not just your immediate leader, but really all the leaders in the organization. And so once you kind of have that, that clarity, that picture of what that looks like, you can start to devote your attention to growing the skills in the areas that you don't already have and start thinking about how much of my time should be devoted to, uh, say, for instance, employee engagement versus uh, learning development versus performance improvement. And you start to kind of get a much clearer picture of the kind of results that the organization's expecting. And so therefore, you not only know what it is you should start working on, but also those metrics that you've always been searching for are now in front of you in terms of what you should be reporting on as you build out your, your different work, that the different solutions that you're uh, implementing. So when, when, it's, when it all goes well um, and, and the, uh, the light comes in through the stained glass windows and the angel voices go, oh, <laughs> um, what, what does that look like? And like, what do you see in the organization? What I see are a couple of things, and I'm seeing this play out certainly with my current employer, is that there becomes a much greater clarity with regards to performance expectations and outcomes for the entire organization. And it's been a very interesting journey for me in this regards, because very often when I ask that immediate supervisor or manager, what are your expectations? A lot of them couldn't really list it. It was the end product, you know, so we want the quality aspect of our end product or our end service going out the door to our customer, but they had never defined it in terms of what are those behaviors, what is that knowledge, what are those skills that we need to see from this individual to know that they are good in and of itself. And then once you kind of define what those are, then you can then turn around and align those to what are the corporate goals in themselves. And people, the employees, start to see a much better picture of their work in terms of not only what's expected of them and what those outcomes look like and therefore can plan appropriate goals, but also align them to the organizational goals. And therefore, they become much more engaged because they understand the importance of their work. And therefore, they're much more likely to contribute to the innovation of the organization. And that's some of the things that I've been noticing over the past several years when doing this work and getting that light moment. So I think you know something I personally challenge with, and I, I can imagine I'm not alone in this, is um, being able to take. And I remember, especially when I was, you know, kind of back in my career when dinosaurs still roamed the earth. <laughs> that's the um, the biggest challenge was the the kind of executives of the company almost seemed to kind of sit in an ivory tower and and they would kind of cast down their kind of mandate and it would always involve things like we need to be x percent more profitable we need to cut costs by y percent um we need to seek x new number of customers and then you would be in a function like i was like it and then you would have your performance reviews and you've talked about aligning the employees goals or to the to the kind of company goals yes and it's it's always a difficult thing for me to try and do that in all cases because sometimes you have to be very creative when mm -hmm. it comes to trying to figure out how people really can contribute to the overall success of the business how do you how do you tackle that 
Yeah, so that's a great question. And one of the things that, especially in the learning and development field that I've kind of come to understand is that when the executives set that strategy and set those goals, you're probably not aligned to them in a direct line of here they are and here's how you line up to those. What happens is that starts to transcend down to the various departments and the various teams. And so what you're probably more aligning to are what are the specific tasks or functions that that particular team has to do in order to kind of make those gradual steps back up to what the organizational goal is, you know. So let's say, for instance, to your point that, you know, they, uh, the organization wanted uh, to increase its customer base. So as that tracks down, what is that functions of the sales team, as an example, in terms of now increasing that customer base that you're building that skill set on that leads back up to what that overall goal was? Okay, now let's let's take a little bit of a left turn at Albuquerque and try <laughs> and go on a slightly different route here. Sure. In, in terms of, of of we've talked a lot about performance and goals, but in terms of going back to the learning, yes, you know, what what are you what are you seeing, you know, kind of, of of in the way forward? You know, as as we're starting to, I guess, enter this future of work, um, there's a there's a maybe a shift towards some new skills like adaptability, flexibility, soft skills. How, how are you seeing the landscape of learning changing? Yeah, so one of the things that I'm noticing um, is that in our previous life, when you and I are both wandering the world with the dinosaurs doing our training, um, we might take six months to a year to develop a comprehensive training plan in and of itself. And we no longer have that luxury. So um, I know there's terms like nano learning and micro learning, things that are being thrown around. But in minute regards is it, it almost comes back to this perspective of what can we get out the door in a short period of time that helps improve performance? And we continue that trend gradually. So along those lines of adapt adaptability and flexibility, I like to kind of give the analogy of, of a sports team you have a long-term goal of winning the championship, but each week is going to present you with a different team and different challenges. What are you doing to address that? And you don't have that luxury of six months to a year to do it. So you may be now forced to put out very quick videos or interactive PDFs or job aids or whatever they may be that might eventually lead to a curriculum for somebody who's new coming in out the door, or excuse me, coming in the door, I should say. But it's changing our mindset of thinking about I'm developing this entire comprehensive learning plan to what can I do today that improves performance tomorrow and then build off that. Because again, as the organization starts to address and adjust based on whatever's going on in this work climate, so to speak, you can move with it because you haven't set a long-term goal around a certain plan. You set a long-term goal around performance improvement. Hmm. And are you seeing any of these these um, like uh, new technologies starting to to change the landscape of learning, um, bringing in maybe more enhanced and different ways to learn? For me, um, and especially being in the manufacturing field for the past several years, virtual reality has always been one of those things that I have noticed that has made a huge change. And so I can give a great example. Um, I've seen this from the perspective of, at least from the manufacturing side, that if I can teach somebody using virtual reality, as an example, all the ins and outs of the machine and that entire work process before actually putting them on the floor, by the time that individual walks onto the floor, there is a much greater comfort level 
so forth. And therefore, that learning curve is automatically decreased because they understand the machine, they understand the process, they understand the work they're supposed to be doing. So therefore, it's just the adjustment of now I'm actually live. I'm working with people, but you understand all that stuff. So that learning curve is shorter. Um, I have a friend who is a fireman and recently their county implemented virtual reality for new trainees. And he has said it's made a world of difference in terms of those new trainees getting up to speed in a very much shorter period of time because they've had now that, that opportunity to be surrounded in a safe zone with what their work environment might be. So therefore, when they're set up for the actual training process and they're put in those situations, they're already a little more comfortable because they've practiced them in and of itself. And I, and I guess, you know, I, I've always kind of see that in the space of, of rotes versus applied learning and being able to, to kind of practice. And Absolutely. I guess one of the, one of the areas um, that I'm, I'm currently quite fascinated about is with with this future of work and everything being kind of you know, the pace increasing and technology putting more and more pressure on on us to be able to adapt as quickly yes. as possible historically um we've been you know we, we've seen where the the learning really starts to take effect is when you move from learning to mastery and, yes. and that takes a little bit of time but now in the future of work we're going to have less time to get yes. to the space of mastery and and pro probably that means less time on more rote learning like we do in the classrooms and through e-learning and and more focus on applied learning and and just trying to get down and dirty hands-on as quickly as possible is that something you'd agree with Yes, um, and certainly something I see play out quite often, especially in manufacturing, is that what we can do is set up of what are the basics that that person needs to know before you put them on the job. And so I've had the luxury, especially when we think about the manufacturing side, is that you know most of their learning is going to occur on the job. So what I can do is work with those supervisors, those leaders, and say, let's set up some experiential learning where we're going to task out the various types of work that they're going to be doing over a period of time to get them to mastery. So, you know, what is the basics that they have to learn first? And then what would be the first type of work that you would ask them to do, you know, and then continue to build on that. And so what it does is it forces those supervisors and leaders to think back and say, okay, what are the more simpler things that we do that we can task out first and then structure to build on that as that person gets much more comfortable in a shorter period of time to what are the more complex things that we do? So again, it's asking them to think differently instead of just throwing them on the job, but throwing them on the job with intent of how we want to build that person up. And I'm guessing in, in manufacturing, much like you know, kind of of, of other industries where you're, you're working with machines or working in heights, safety becomes a big concern for you. Absolutely. And something that probably plays a key role in your learning and development um, and performance process. Is how do you how do you kind of navigate that? I mean, how how have you kind of overcome those challenges? Yeah, so it's actually come in a couple of different phases. So the way that I've actually done that is, you know, first of all, what is the basic safety we need to be aware of? And so that's really that start of that real learning that you talk about is is that as that individual comes on in part of their onboarding process, let's talk about the basics that they can see in the plant. Um, and that may be the type of work shoes they're using. Are they wearing safety glasses? Are they wearing personal protective equipment? Because maybe they're handling chemicals, as an example. 
And then you start to, along with that experiential learning I was talking about earlier, is you build up, okay, now that they're on this machine, as they work on this particular end of that machine, as an example, or certain parts of it, what are the safety things that they need to now be aware of with that? So therefore, they can process all of that physically while they're there. So instead of talking about things like knife guards and cut-resistant gloves, I'm putting them there so that they're wearing those gloves and they're seeing these knife guards and they're understanding how that process works together and why they don't want to stick their hands in there, you know, kind of thing. And so what it does is that you're able to build on that um, instead of showing them videos or just talking about it, they're seeing why it is that that equipment is necessary when they're actually doing that particular work for their overall safety. Brilliant. Um, so, so tell me now, I mean, in terms of, of your journey, um, your personal journey, um, where, I mean, where do you see your key challenges? Um, because you, you're, you're in the heart of it, right? You're on the front lines, yeah. you're doing the day, job every day. Yeah. What are your challenges over the next kind of year or two? My biggest challenge is always with the mindset that unfortunately I helped to create. So I've been around for a while and I helped create this mindset, you know, among us as L&Ders, as well as certainly within organizations of learning is a building a course, it's a curriculum, it's e-learning, it's, it's a workshop. And really the biggest challenge is helping people to move around from that mindset with regards to, oh, we're gonna develop a curriculum, we're gonna develop a course. Well, no, that's not the first thing we're gonna do. We're gonna look at this person in terms of what it is are the performance expectations and figure out what are the easiest things that we can do to get this person up to speed quickly. And eventually at the end of that road, it might be a course, but we don't necessarily start there. Let's start with identifying what are the performance gaps, the performance expectations and building from there. But it's a hard struggle because with every person that I interact with, they've kind of been already ingrained in that learning process, building those courses or those workshops. And you got to kind of talk them back from that to say, do you really care about the learning result or do you care about performance? And once they start to make that connection and think about it, performance becomes the priority. Great. Then let's start there and figure out what's going on that's inhibiting performance today and what are all those things that we got to do to address that. And, um, you know, if, if, if you were to have a conversation with your younger self, um, you know, besides how to yeah. avoid being eaten by a dinosaur, um, <laughs> yeah. what, I mean, what's the single piece of advice that you would yeah. give your younger self now saying, oh, I just wish I knew that when I started? Um, so I started before e-learning and LMS and EdTech came along. Uh, so back in the day when we were really focused on human performance technology, so we were looking at all that because we didn't have the advantages of all the technology that we have today. Um, and if I'm looking back, I would tell myself, stay there, um, because I was uh, with one of the organizations that I worked with back in early 2000. I was the guy that was leading the implementation of, of e-learning tools, of learning management system, and, and certainly that for the first 10 years of my career from, from 2000 to 2010, that's what I did a lot of. And it got us away from what it was that really was important, which was the overall performance, because we focused, we spent a whole lot of time focused on what had to be built from a learning perspective. And you forgot about how they actually needed, what they needed when they actually went and applied that knowledge and worked in their role. So, I mean, that's really fascinating because I think a, a lot of, um, and, and probably a good lesson for other people to, to kind of take heed of is, 
is technology can be a very shiny object um, and it can definitely, I mean, you just have to look at a LinkedIn feed to see exactly what I'm talking about playing out. Yes. Is the amount of hype that surrounds technology, the amount of distraction, um, the amount of, of confusion and and just kind of you know, hyperbole around yes. an exciting new technology. And I think that's very sage advice is stick to your principles. Don't yes. don't be kind of swayed by the shiny object like the bug. It's so beautiful. <laughs> um, you, you really want to actually just stick to your guns, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, um, so you, you've given advice to yourself. Um, mm -hmm. is, that, is that the same advice that you would give to a young learning and development person as, they, as they're kind of moving forward into this future world of, of work, or would you kind of adapt it differently at all? I think the first piece of advice I would give to anyone is understand what your organization expects of you in your role. Um, because, again, that gives you kind of the roadmap that you need to start working from in and of itself. And then once you understand what that expectation is, then you can start to build your principles around here's what's important to the organization that I need to hold true to to meet the organization's goals. And like I said, I've been very fortunate. In fact, that I've been in manufacturing for a while. So when I'm approached by people and we talk about e-learning, things like that, I have the ability to say it's not really in my world because, again, the people that I work with do not have access to that kind of technology. So they're on the floor, they're learning their job. I mean, from day one, we're putting them out there as part of their experience. And so those things don't really play a role for me in and of itself when I think about e-learning or learning management systems, which a reality does, because I want to put them in that environment. You know, putting them in the actual work plays that. So I think once you know what it is the organization expects from you, you can put your focus on those things that matter most. And you, you mentioned virtual reality a couple of times. Um, yes. So for those for those people in learning and development who've maybe never come across that technology um, mm -hmm. or, or just don't really have any idea on how to deploy it in a learning and development um, scenario, yes. maybe you want to just explain a little bit about, maybe give an example of what you've done specifically in virtual reality? So, yeah, a great example of one of the things that I've done is that um, across all of our locations, we have two particular machines that are constant at every location. Same machine, used the same way at every location. So those were the first two things that I could ever grab onto and say, this is what I can scale across the organization in and of itself. Um, after that, machines became different, and so it became much harder to kind of focus on those. But... In having those two machines, I could set up training that was consistent for every person in their onboarding process to get familiar from a virtual perspective with those two machines. So they get familiarity with those machines. They get familiarity with the work process. So no matter what, and this we've seen this play out from a results standpoint, is once they come out onto the floor, even if you move them off into different machines, they already still have a comfort level because they've had the opportunity to play with some machines so they understand more about what they're getting themselves into than they physically are present with the machine, regardless if it's the same one or a different one. And I can imagine that they're more confident as well. Yes. Yeah. And it's a great example. Um, so I, if I were to look back 18 months ago, um, the typical trend line for somebody is they would spend six months to nine 
learning an entry level role before they ever had the opportunity to cross train into something else or maybe move up in their career ladder. We've now brought that down to three months um, because again, they're walking in there with a comfort level. And in the case over the past year, I've seen people go through three different roles in terms of their training. So some of those were very ambitious or learned one role, started another role and learned it, and they're learning their third role and they're doing it all within a year's time span. So they become much more valuable players because again, we've moved them up, we've moved them around the organization based on their needs, and so therefore opening up more channels for other people to come in and follow. Firstly, well done. Um, secondly is how, how have you seen that impacting the bottom line of the business? So what it has done is it allowed us, uh, when we think about this, is that because of the line of our business, there are certain things that kind of flow. So from, uh, if I were to give you an example, you know, uh, from a print production standpoint, the first thing you do is get to print the book before you ever moved on to what we call binding and finishing. So what it allows us to do is move our resources around that as we're printing that book, I can pull people from the other functions and put them into the print section. So therefore we can now run more shifts and get that book out in a faster period of time. And then once that book production run is done, we can now move those same people and others who are on the print side over to the binding and finishing side. So having more bodies now allows us to run at greater capacity. But also, again, if somebody's sick or is out of the office or something like that, we have the people there who can now fill in. And it's not hurting our production time because, we've been, we're moving with the flow of that particular book run. It sounds like that would lead to growth in the business itself. It is. Being in able fact, to take on more capacity, more sales. It has. In fact, actually, in the past year, we've made three different acquisitions of other printers because of just, again, increasing our capacity and our capabilities has allowed us to continue to grow ourselves. Well, that's a really, really great, um, great success story. So well done for that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think. Um, Final question is just in this kind of whole process of, of, of lifelong learning that really is the kind of core of, of what um, yeah, we all enjoy and, and what I, I love is, is hearing from other people, you know, um, of, of a great book or a podcast that you've heard recently, something that you, that's, that's kind of had a visceral effect with you where you've kind of said, wow, that was, that was really incredible or unexpected or made a big impact on me, just to share it, share it with the audience. Absolutely. Um, and kind of tying into what we've been talking about so far, Jason, I would recommend Dr. Adam Grant's book, Think Again. And so he's an organizational psychologist and he's very popular. I, I think he has some podcasts. Certainly he's quite often speaking on YouTube or TED or what have you. Um, and what he basically encourages in that book is, is that, you know, we have to unlearn what we already know, relearn it in a different way, in addition to learning new things. And I think given the environment that we're in and the constant change, whether we think about digital innovation or business innovation, whatever it may be, you may be doing that on a yearly basis, unlearning something to relearning in a different way or to learn something new that, again, helps you grow professionally, but also helps the business continue to grow. And so to the point like you were making earlier, we may have to get rid of old ways of doing things because it's no longer working in the new way of doing things. In addition to that, I would encourage everybody to become a news junkie. I am a news junkie. 
right? So I enjoy reading the news and it frustrates my wife to no end because I'm always reading the news. But what I have found is that if you really want to get a pulse on what is changing, news is usually there first. It, it may not be a broad headline saying chat GPT or something like that, but they're talking about it long before it becomes a trend. And you might get some insight into what's going on with the, uh, the Gen Z who are now joining the workforce or the millennials and what their expectations are and things like that. And some of those things that are now bubbling up, you may be able to get a jump on with your organization because you're recognizing the trend before it really becomes recognized and start addressing those topics within your organization. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Joe. And um, I think the it, it's been a fascinating conversation around the the understanding that it's it's not just about learning; it's about performance and about understanding how performance really, at the end of the day, mirrors the organisation's goals and directives, and being able to kind of have a golden thread running through that whole chain from beginning to end. So it's been fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us. It was absolutely lovely to have you on, on the podcast. Thank you very much, Jason. It was my pleasure to be here. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Impact Learning Visionaries. If you found it interesting or helpful, please subscribe by clicking on the button down below so you don't miss our next one. Also, be sure to check out our Reality Bytes blog for more information on how technology is aiding in learning development. Links are all in the description below. Go check it out. Thanks a lot. Bye.